Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. I want to thank you for joining us today. And we're continuing in our series on the Holy Spirit and His relevance for living a faithful Christian life in the midst of our contemporary world. Uh, the episode today of I've entitled The Fire of First Love and the Challenge for the Second Generation. But I'd like to start with something Pope Francis recently said. He mentioned that the church is in need of prophets in every age, and the church is in need of the prophetic voice to ensure that vital truths are remembered and proclaimed. Now, I'm not a prophet, but I do have an extremely important prophetic passage of Scripture to share with parents, grandparents, catechists, and youth workers today. And it comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, that prophetic section of the Gospel, and verse 12. And here's what Jesus says. Listen carefully. And because wickedness is multiplied, most men's love will grow cold. Let me go over that again. Matthew 24, verse 12. And because wickedness is multiplied, most men's love will grow cold. And I want us today to carefully consider this prophetic warning straight from the lips of Jesus and its relevance for us today and for our children. I have four quick points on this. First, let me ask you a question. Has wickedness multiplied in our world? And if you're listening to Catholic radio, I would say there's about a 99% probability that you would agree that wickedness has certainly multiplied in our world. Socially acceptable sin has grown at increasing rates, and just consider the moral plunge that has taken place over just the past decade. Second, who are the most when Jesus says, most men's love will grow cold as wickedness increases? Who are they? This is where the prophetic warning to the church comes, again, from Jesus. The most men whose love will grow cold are Christians. They're Christ's disciples. In other words, for love to grow cold means at some point it was hot. It had the fire of divine love, and now it's grown cold. And when the culture becomes a social sewer like ours has, it has a strong negative impact upon believers. Third, do you think Jesus really means that most men's love will grow cold when he says most? Or is this kind of like a hyperbole? Well, I think Jesus is stating the very stark truth that a significant majority really do lose the fire of faith in their hearts when wickedness increases. 
which brings me to the fourth point on this scripture from Matthew 24, 12. And I'm bringing it right home to you, mom and dad, and of course, grandparents, catechists, youth workers, but particularly mom and dad. Who do you think is particularly susceptible to having their love for God grow cold in our day when wickedness is multiplying? I think it's rather obvious that it would be our children and grandchildren. I can't imagine what it's like for my children and what it will be like for my grandchildren growing up in today's world. Because I've seen myself as living in two worlds. I remember a world when there was generally accepted public morality, when there was generally decency on TV, and people got thrown in jail for throwing corrupt things to children, and whereas now they're broadcast openly. And I've used this illustration before, but it's to me, for young people today, it's like that movie, The Poseidon Adventure, where the big ship is turned upside down and the whole movie is basically being filmed in an upside down ship. Well, I said to a friend recently, for our children, it's like they've never known the ship to be upright. Their whole lives, abortion's legal, now homosexual marriage, so-called, is being legalized in all these different states and stuff. The, the world has turned upside down, and their whole lives, they don't even know in an experiential sense what right side up is like. So let me bring this home. When Jesus gives such a stern prophetic warning do you take it to heart, mom and dad? Or do you basically blow it off saying, that was a nice, inspirational saying of Jesus? No, Jesus didn't say these things in his prophetic teaching to have just some kind of nice, warm inspiration. He says these things to have truth cut through the fog. And when Jesus says most men's love will grow cold because of the increase of wickedness, oh, not my kids. We homeschool. Or we go to a traditional mass. Or we teach our kids their prayers. Or we send our kids to a, an Orthodox Christian college. Or we monitor the internet and we carefully monitor what's going on on our TV. We're strict. Now, don't get me wrong. All of the things I just mentioned are good. No, I need to correct that. All of the things I just mentioned are great. But in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came to this earth and spoke life-giving prophetic truth, I warn you, don't be complacent in today's world. I'm not saying you need to be fearful, but don't be complacent because the love of many is growing cold. And it's a sobering reality that as parents and grandparents, we need to face. Now, Catholic children and young adults today are actually facing a double challenge. I've just mentioned the first to you, that love growing cold from wickedness multiplying, but there's a second threat, and it's related to the first. Both 
love grows cold. But in the second threat, love grows cold from being the second generation of believers. Here's a parenting verse that most people skip over, but it's in the Old Testament book of Judges. Judges chapter 2 and verse 7, it says the following, And the people serve the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work which the Lord had done for Israel. But after that, the nation fell into apostasy in this cycle, up and down cycle of faithfulness and unfaithfulness. But basically what had happened is that the people alive who had that firsthand experience of seeing the Lord work in the days of Joshua, or at least had those people who had known that work, while that generation lived, uh, the people were faithful. But when you had the transition over to the second generation, trouble began. And this isn't just something that happened, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. This problem of the second generation and the love growing cold in the second generation is faced by every generation of believers. Now, I'm going to just paint a picture of who you are listening, and I realize I'm speaking into a microphone and I can't see your face, but I know that many, if not most of you, uh, have had some type of, of draw in your life from the Holy Spirit by God to bring you closer to your faith. You've had a, re, a kind of a, an awakening of your faith. You've had some type of conversion experience. You've awakened to the reality of the sacraments in your life and that type of thing. So to you, your faith is very real. And of course, what you want more than anything else, if you're a parent or a grandparent, for that to be experienced by your children. But remember, the second generation is not the same as the first. In other words, they just can't live off of your experience or your reawakening or your draw to the sacraments. They have to have that in their own life. And so children today are facing what believers in every age have faced, the challenge of the second generation of believers love growing cold in their hearts. And then we also have the additional threat of a rapid and pervasive cultural plunge in morals, and as that wickedness is multiplying, love is growing cold. So the question, I guess, is what can keep the fire of God's love burning in the next generation of Christians, our children and grandchildren? How can we keep the fires of God's love burning in their hearts while they're growing up in a culture with wickedness multiplying? That is a question that every parent should know the answer to. And remember, it's going to take something more than many of the good things that I've mentioned. And just in case you're wondering, you're listening to Faith and Family, and I'm your host, Steve Wood, and we're going to answer that question. What can keep the fire of God's love burning in the hearts of our children and grandchildren despite our cultural situation? The answer is as close as a simple prayer that many of you already know. The prayer to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, 
fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. This prayer to the Holy Spirit about says it all because the fire of God's love in the human heart is a direct result of the Holy Spirit filling the heart. And as I mentioned earlier, don't be complacent in today's world, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, and don't simply depend on certain activities, religious activities you do, or certain religious educational things you do, which you should do, which you must do, and are great things to do, but you need something more. Because in a sense, the wickedness will cause the love to grow cold. It will overwhelm perhaps an educational strategy unless you have something greater than what's in the world. And that something greater is the very infinite power of God Almighty that created the very universe. It's available to your children and grandchildren. It's available to the youth in your youth group. It's available to the students in your catechetical class. In the second verse of the entire Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, God begins the whole work of creating the universe. And how does it begin? And the Spirit goes out and is hovering over the waters and the entire universe comes forth from the power of the Holy Spirit. When you pray, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of my children and enkindle in them the fire of your love, what's that second sentence of the prayer? Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Just like at the very beginning of the universe, we're asking for that power to come upon our children and grandchildren and you shall renew the face of the earth. We all need renewal. We all need continual renewal. And because you, mom, or you, dad, have been renewed, it doesn't mean your children will be. In a certain sense, the Holy Spirit has to touch all of our hearts to keep our hearts burning and kindled with the fire of divine love. And so you want to teach your children top priority to seek the Holy Spirit to pray for the continual filling of the Holy Spirit. And because some people may have gone a little overboard here and there and, talk, and blamed it on the Holy Spirit, some people treat the Holy Spirit like he's a virus. No, he's a parent's and a grandparent's best friend. He is your children's source of divine love, just keeping those fires alive despite what's going on in our world. Now, I'd like to share with you a case history, because I think reality is a good teacher, a case history of what happens to a Catholic church without the continual filling of the Holy Spirit. And that Catholic church I'd like to talk about is the Catholic Church of Ephesus. St. Paul planted the Catholic church in Ephesus, which was a, a leading city in Asia Minor around 53 A.D., 
He spent a long time there compared to a lot of other cities. He spent about two and a half years there. He had an extremely effective ministry. And in fact, the whole region of Asia Minor, in which Ephesus was a leading city, was evangelized because of this vibrant church of Ephesus. So the first generation was hot. They had the fires of divine love in their hearts, and it was so burning so so rapidly and so extensively that that fire spread to the entire region in which Ephesus was found. And of course, St. Paul wrote a magnificent epistle to the church in Ephesus. And in his epistle, he said something to the Catholic church in Ephesus, which isn't repeated elsewhere in Scripture. And this is what he says. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read a few verses leading up to it because it's very important. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Now, if it says everything in the Bible you should pay careful attention to, you know, when you hear the scriptures read in Mass, you know, know, be attentive to the Word of God, but when the Word of God itself says be attentive or look carefully, then pay attention. Look carefully, then, how you walk not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Now, what's going to happen when the days are evil? Wickedness multiplies, love grows cold. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then we get to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. This is a keeper, mom and dad. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to dump a lot of Greek on you, but Ephesians 5.18 is one place in the New Testament where it's real helpful to know what the original language actually says and with the emphasis that it brings forth. Um, When it says, be filled, this is a present active imperative. An imperative means it's a command. It's an apostolic directive. This is not something nice. This is something necessary. And St. Paul commanding believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's not just saying have a one-time experience, which everyone should have a real encounter with God and God granting an awakening through the Holy Spirit, but the present active imperative says something like, be, you, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't rest upon a one-time experience with God, or even worse, don't rest upon an experience with God your parents or grandparents had. You, believers in Ephesus, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. That is an apostolic command. Now, what do we do with that command? You're listening to Faith and Family Radio. I'm your host, Steve Wood. And now, parents, this is time to bring it together. We want to bring it home. Wise parents will put these two scriptures together. The first one I mentioned was from Matthew 24, the prophetic teaching of Jesus, verse 12. And because wickedness is multiplied, most men's love will grow cold. And so as the wickedness in our culture multiplies, you know there's a very distinct threat to the faith of your children and grandchildren. 
But two, I said you need to be uh, awake to this, not be fearful, but don't be complacent. There's a divine antidote for love growing cold, and that's to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, the one bestowing the fire of divine love. You see, mom and dad, you can and should do many good, necessary things. But what we're up against in today's world, Jesus has warned us about. And we're supposed to take his warnings literally, and not just receive them literally, but act on them. And St. Paul, with his apostolic authority, gives the command to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit because that will keep that fire of divine love active in the human heart. This might sound simplistic. Okay, got that. No, 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 no. This isn't something you run from. This is like, you know, if you're doing spiritual warfare as, as a mom or a dad, and you better be ready for spiritual warfare in today's world because raising faithful Catholic kids is not a kid's game in today's world. The stakes are very high. The devil is on the loose. The culture is sucking kids away from Jesus left and right. And don't simply rely on your own strength, your own strategies, your own curriculum or whatever else. But most of all, and center of all, make friends with the Holy Spirit yourself and pray for your children to be awakened by the Holy Spirit, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, and teach them to appropriate for themselves through prayer a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. This is where it's at. And you can survive and thrive in any and all cultural situations if you do these two things. Heed Jesus, Matthew 24, 12, and heed St. Paul, Ephesians 5, 18. Keep those two with you. This is, this is your sword and shield for living in the 21st century. Now, let's ask a question. How did the Catholics in the church at Ephesus do in following St. Paul's command? Well, this church was particularly blessed because I told you St. Paul spent about as much time in Ephesus as he did just about anywhere uh, ministering. The church was vibrant. It evangelized the whole region uh, around that. The church was a recipient of one of the finest pieces of uh, Scripture in all of the New Testament, the epistle to the Ephesians. Now, here's a couple of more. The church was not only founded by St. Paul, but St. Timothy the apostolic companion to St. Paul became the bishop of Ephesus. So you read in the New Testament, 1st and 2nd Timothy, that's St. Timothy. That very Timothy was the bishop in Ephesus. So they're not only blessed with their origin of the church with St. Paul, but they're blessed with having St. Timothy as their bishop. Now, not only that, it gets better. Um, Latter in the first century, as you go on in the first century, about middle of the century, you know, Paul visited there and started the church. But guess who, guess who took up residence in Ephesus? St. John, the beloved disciple, the one who wrote the gospel and the epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation. And guess who was with him? The Blessed Virgin Mary. You would think, 
man, this is just a blowout situation. How could you even go to this church and not be just red hot for Jesus? I would dare say I can't think of anyone in the Roman Empire who was more blessed with having leadership and a founder and a bishop and the presence of holy people like St. John and the Blessed Virgin Mary as a part of this church. The last word we hear about the church in Ephesus is a word that comes straight from Jesus Christ again through the Apostle John. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, it starts chapter 2 and 3, has letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And the first church is to the church at Ephesus, the leading church of the region. And this is the last place we hear about the Catholic Church of Ephesus, is in Revelation 2 and verse 4. And before I get to verse 4, I just need to mention that uh, Jesus had good things to say. They were kind of orthodox in their beliefs. They had resisted false teachers, but hear this stinging prophetic rebuke from Jesus Christ. He says, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You have forsaken your first love. The fire of first love for God is maintained by a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. The Catholic Church of Ephesus, late in the first century, was busy doing good things, but they had neglected the heart of Christianity, the love of God. And by this time, the second generation of Catholics was on the scene, and the fire of divine love was dwindling in this pagan city, because where wickedness multiplies, the love of many grows cold. Maybe they had forgotten to pray, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Jesus warns them in verse five of Revelation two, remember then from what you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. The lampstand is, is an image or a symbolic figure of that church, the Catholic church in Ephesus. By the sixth and seventh centuries, the church and the city of Ephesus was in decline. And except for a nearby village, Ephesus has been uninhabited since the fourth century. The city and church are in absolute ruins in the midst of a country, 99% Muslim. Jesus closes this warning to the church at Ephesus. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Till next time, this is Steve Wood with Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.